But I thought I would do something a little bit different today. I wanted to call up some people that are in different phases of their relationships and of their journeys. And, um, and I'm going to call them up and, um, and, and I'm going to ask them a few questions. So we're going to have a little bit of a panel discussion. And along with that, um, I'm also going to put up a number on the screen. Um, that number over there. Um, it's a long one. It's actually just three numbers more than usual. But, um, but you can text any question you have um, to that number, and we will endeavor to answer as many of those as we can today in the time that we have left. So if you have questions around parenting, around relationships, around uh, being single, about dating, about, about sex, about marriage, about anything, um, you can send it through uh, to that number, and we will uh, look at answering all of those, or as many of those as we can. And first off, I want to call up Will. Will is a pastor here at Anchor Church, and he is uh, he's one of our elders and just an amazing guy. Uh, Nungi is actually leading our kids' ministry right now, but Will and Nungi have been married for how many years, Will? Five years. Um, like I told... Yeah, come on, let's give him... That's, that's pretty well done. Actually, the applause should be for Nungi, but, um, but Will is a great guy. And, um, and next, I want to call up Peter. Um, where's Peter? Peter has been married... Um, it's Brent's dad, and this morning I asked Brent, how many years have your parents been married? And Brent was like, yeah, at least 30. And then Brent was like, wait, I'm 30. No, 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 at least <laughs> 35. So 35 plus years. Um, Peter and Sharon, his, his wife isn't here this morning, but let's give him a big round of applause. I'm also going to call up um, some of our strategic team members and good friends, been married for 14 years. It feels like 30, but it's... For Kelly, but it's been so. This is Ryan and Kelly. Give them a round of applause as they come up. I'm also going to ask Reno and uh, and Megan to come forward. They are fairly new to our church. Couple of couple of months that they've been here. Been married. You said nine years, ten years. Um, so they are a great couple. They got three kids. Give them a big round of applause as well as they come forward. And then we've also got Eddie and Cantha, although Cantha's not here this morning. Um, and Eddie and Cantha are each other's second marriage, both married for the second time. They've been married for 12 years. They're a great couple in this church, uh, great friends. We love them to bits. They have so much wisdom. And Eddie will tell you that Cantha is normally the spokesperson. Uh, but since she's not here this morning, Eddie, you can come up and just take this seat up here. And uh, come on, let's give Eddie a big round of applause. I'm also going to ask, I've got this couch prepared for Julian and Julie. Where, where did Julie go? I saw her earlier. Come on, let's give Julian and Julie a big round of applause. How many years have you guys been married? 18 years of marriage. Come on. All right, so these are, are our married couples, and uh, I wanted to also call up some singles. I was hoping to do them a little bit of a favor this morning, um, but we're going to have Brent. Where's Brent? Brent is single. Let's give it up for Brent on staff here at Anchor Church. We were at a conference, the ARC conference down in George this week, and uh, you know, I asked the guys, do you want to stay for the evening? They had like a worship thing. Do you want to stay for the worship thing, or do you want to go back to the hotel? What do you want to do? And they said, they'll let me know once they've scoped out the room and seen what, and I was like, you, none of you are moving to George, so let's just go home, okay? So, um, so that's Brent. Also, fairly new to our church, 
Also a single young guy, Joe, is going to come forward. Let's give it up for Joe. Can take, take that seat back there. Um, and then one of our single girls who's part of our young adults ministry leads a connect group, Carmony. Will you come forward? Let's give it up for Carmony. And then um, I wanted to bring Michelle up as well. Michelle um, has been through a divorce, is currently single. I don't want to say she's a little bit older, but she's only a very little bit older. Um, and so she has had to deal with single life and life after divorce, uh, which can be tough and, you know, being a single mom, etc. So can we give it up for Michelle as she comes forward as well? All right, and then I'm just going to call up two more couples that are fairly newly wed. So kind of we've got a whole array of people here, and um, we can even just have you guys sit up front here or wherever you find a space. Maybe we can grab some chairs from here. Um, but we've got Erin and Sean married seven months. How many? Six months. All right, six months married. Come on. And then we've got Aubrey and Heather married two weeks. Am I right? Two weeks? Come on. You know that your relationship is going great when you're wearing matching hoodies. That's how you know you're newlywed and you're loving it. So this is basically our panel. And I think that what you can see is that we have got a great variety of people in our church. We've just called a few people up here, but what we have is people that are newlyweds, people that are, um, oh, I forgot one. My, my bad, this is not really good. And that is Lee, who is my fiance. Just as I thought, oh, that's really bad. Pray for me. Okay. But uh, I was thinking this morning, uh, or I was thinking now that you know, we've got married people, we've got engaged people. I'm like, wait, who's engaged? Wait, I am. Okay, so that's, that's me, and then I remembered. Okay, so, um, but we've got people from every different phase and every different walk of life. People have been married many years for only a few years. Um, people that have been married for decades. We've got people that are single, people that are divorced. And we want you to know that wherever you fit into these, any of these categories, um, or if you fall in one of the cracks, like if your situation is just completely unique, I want to let you know that what we are up here representing is that you belong here, right? That there's no, nobody's excluded, uh, nobody doesn't belong, that there's no situation that we won't be able to, to speak God's life into and that we believe that God won't redeem. Wherever you are, whether you're single, dating, married, divorced, whatever the situation is, uh, we believe that, that there is hope for you and that God has got um, a great future for you. And so um, we're going to look at some of those questions. Don't forget to text your questions to that number, um, and we can answer some of your questions if you have any. Um, but I wanted to—I thought I would start off this morning by asking everybody to just quickly give me one word that describes the season that you're in at the moment. Um, so for Brent, it would be lonely. Um, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. He's not lonely. He's totally satisfied in Jesus. Um, but uh, but if you can just give one word that just describes. The season that you are in, who has got the microphone? Let's start at the back here. We can start with you, Will, and then we'll move across. Um, I guess busy. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very busy. busy. Do you want to just clarify what you mean by busy? Uh, very busy. Because I know you guys are trying to have a baby, so I just want to know what that, <laughs> what that means. 
uh, very, very busy with, with work. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Let's go to Peter. Oh, to Aaron, yeah. Growth. Growth, awesome. Yep. We'll jump to Aaron here. Two words, adapt and change. Adapt and change. Newlyweds, I can understand. <laughs> Let's go with, with Sean there. I say exciting. Exciting. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Ready. Ready. <laughs> That's a statement of intent, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Eddie. Amazing. Amazing. Amazing season. Um, let's pass this one around here. Um, challenging. <laughs> challenging? That's just because of me. <laughs> no, we understand. Yeah. We're busy challenging. <laughs> busy and challenging. Okay, let's go, let's go to Michelle there. You can, you can tell us what you're... Uh, for me, season of grace. Grace. Awesome. Harmony. Journey of identity. Identity. Awesome. Freedom. <laughs> they say the only thing worse than being single is wishing that you were. Um, so, <laughs> all right, Rainer. Uh, stretched. Stretched. Yeah, if anything, I'd say pressed. Pressed. Yeah. yeah. Pressing like olive, that juice. Yeah. Okay, awesome. <laughs> I'd say settled. Awesome, that's a really good one. Uh, I'd say uh, strength. 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 Awesome. And then the guys in the front here, can we get that microphone to them? So we have a limited. Here we go. Okay, Lee. Um, for me, it's transition, obviously. <laughs> I'd say so. I'd say so. <laughs> Sorry. Hopeful. Hopeful? That's good. Two weeks married? I'm glad. <laughs> Heather? Expectant, Lord. Expectant. <laughs> Woohoo! All right, so that's where all of these seasons are. Um, and so I'm going to ask a few questions, and um, you know, I might ask some people to answer specifically, but if you have an answer, then you can just let me know what you think if, if you'd like to, um, to give it a go. But I wanted to ask, first of all, how did you, just to help some people, how, how do you or did you determine marriage material? So if you're looking for a spouse, if you're looking for somebody to marry, um, you know, how, how did you determine this is, this is marriage material? This is, uh, you know, I know that Brent has used this line, I'm going to pick on him all day, where, um, you know, he's asked a girl to feel his shirt and said, you feel that? That's boyfriend material. Um, but what is, what is marriage material in your opinion, who wants to who wants to kick it off? We'll, we'll we'll give it a go. So I had a very interesting conversation with my dad uh, when I felt like I was like Joe, ready. Um, and and the first thing he said to me is, if you're looking for the perfect person or a perfect person, uh, stop because that person doesn't exist. And and he said look for somebody that is your friend that you can journey deeply with. Um, and, and so, you know, people talk about different levels of, um, of compatibility. And in essence, what that means is you, you have spiritual compatibility, which is um, you look for somebody that's a believer. Uh, you have soulish compatibilities, which is, you know, someone that you, 
you know, in terms of their personality, you feel there's a compatibility, the things that you talk about, the things that you enjoy, etc. And then you have physical compatibility. Somebody Hello. that you're attracted Hello. to. <laughs> yeah, that's how you awesome. can determine. Awesome. Let's maybe skip it over to Joe and ask him, what, do you, what, what does marriage material look like for you? Am I allowed to copy and paste? I feel like I just <laughs> got a, a blueprint right there. Um, I mean, I think I said I'm at the stage of ready because I've changed. My expectation was uh, not aligned, it was physical, it was, but I, I'm looking for that friend because I think you want, that's important, you, don't, you want to have a best friend in someone and, and then literally copy and paste, spiritually compatible. And, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Anybody on this side want to give a go? Do you, want, do you want to tell us what you were looking for, how you knew Reina was marriage material? I always had a thing for men in uniform, so that was like a tick. All right, get a uniform. <laughs> what we've learned at Anchor today is get a uniform. <laughs> For me as a person, and before I met Rainer, um, it was always very important that I felt loved in a relationship and um, cared for and that we did things as a team and we did things together. So, um, and that I think has always been our strong point, is that sticking together. So, for me that was when it was besides the uniform, because I had to get past that first. Um, <laughs> But yeah, besides that, it was just to be loved unquestionably. So no matter what I looked like or, you know, if I was soft or hard or tough, it was that he just loved me no matter what. So sincerity, feeling yeah. the sincerity that's, and, that's, and authenticity yeah. in relationship. I think we all want that. We all want to know that the person that we are committing to at least feels the same way. And that's oftentimes where we have to watch out for certain things that, make, that present as if they really do love you in that way, but those are actually just emotional or... Or, or physical, or whatever other thing it might be, and I think that's great advice, is to find somebody that will genuinely love you the way that Jesus loves you, although not as perfectly. We know that it's not gonna, then you're not going to get married. Um, but somebody that, that genuinely has that, that heart for you. Anybody else want to give a go on what's marriage material? Okay. <laughs> comedy, comedy, tell us. Tell us. Um, so I started a journey of identity, um, because I felt I was waiting for marriage, um, and I felt God wanted to make me um, into the woman he wants me to be in the marriage. So I think I'm on a journey of waiting, but I'm also on a journey of being transformed um, for marriage. Let's give it up for these guys that have answered. Come on. So I'm going to go to my next question, which is kind of related to that. Um, but uh, I'm going to ask you, Ryan, since, uh, since you're holding that microphone, is give me one deal maker when you were like looking for a wife. What was one deal maker? Like, okay, this is the kind of woman that I want. <laughs> and then also one deal breaker. Like if, if, there wasn't, if this wasn't present, then it wasn't going to work out. What, a deal maker and a deal breaker. A name had to be Kelly, I think, was the <laughs> Um, I think I was, I was looking for also a best friend that will kind of accept me for who I am, and I'm a, a fun person and a challenge, um, and just su be supportive of, uh, of um, I think, where we're going together, um, and just be genuine with me, like allow me to be myself and her to be herself, and just 
be with each other as clean and as open as possible. So I want to tell you a fun story about when they were dating, because these are friends of mine. So, so, so um, Kelly was dating a really, really nice guy. And he bought her one of those giant teddies. You know those giant teddies that take up half your room? And he would kind of walk to the door and take her to the car. Ryan was not that guy, okay? Ryan was the guy who sat in his GTI in the street revving his engine. And by God's grace, by God's grace, Kelly fell in love with him, all right? So, so whoever you are, there's hope for you today, um, whoever you are. I want to go to, to Julie. What was your deal maker and your deal breaker? For me, um, when you know, coming from the Indian community, if you are by the age of 25, don't have a boyfriend when you're on the shelf. <laughs> so I decided to, you know, be rebellious and think, you know, I will break all those stereotypical things. And uh, coming from a Hindu family, giving my heart to the Lord only at the age of 20, I decided, no, I will just wait and wait and God will show me, you know. So my big thing was my heart jumped when I first heard some guy say a prayer. And the pastor asked him to pray, and I was like, who's that guy? Who's that guy? And what was the big thing for me was the, the prayer was so powerful. The love for, for God was just amazing that I just thought, you know what, if somebody could love God so much, so vastly, so amazingly, and, and say such a, a powerful prayer, that how, imagine how they'd love me. And so um, that guy, I went to sauce him out, and uh, <laughs> it was the Spirit of God speaking to me. <laughs> so um, I see him walking and then, up and the And then stairs. you met Julian. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Wait. <laughs> so I, I like, followed up the stairs, and I'm saying, who's this guy? Who's this guy? And um, there he is, walking his um, grandmother, you know, ailed grandmother up and I'm like, okay, confirmation. <laughs> that guy was Julian. Aww. Oh, come on. <laughs> so, so for me, I think, you know, if, if a guy has got such strong character towards his God, it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's so enduring. Okay, let me, let me, let me um, skip the question over to Julian and ask him, what would have been a deal breaker for you when you guys started dating, Julian? What would have been a deal breaker for you um, in terms of your relationship with Julie? If the chick didn't know how to cook a good curry. <laughs> <laughs> you see, so spiritual. So spiritual. <laughs> good curry. By the way, she's a fabulous cook, so win-win. Awesome, okay. Um, right, so anybody else want to give one, you want to give, a, give us a deal maker? Okay, so, so here's another fun story about Aaron. I, I was um, fortunate enough to uh, conduct their wedding ceremony six months ago, and it was a beautiful ceremony. Um, stayed for the reception, loved meeting the family and, and everything. But uh, just before Aaron met um, um, Sean, he had such high standards, Aaron, right? He really had a lot of deal breakers, which you can share some now. But he had some deal breakers and, uh, and just wasn't finding anybody that kind of met his standards. And so just before he met Sean, 
um, he actually spent some time with his mom crying. Okay, so he was crying <laughs> with his mom. This actually happened um, because he was saying, Mom, when is Jesus going to answer my prayers for a godly woman that, you know, is kind of the woman that I'm looking for? And so now you know how special Sean is and needed to be. But yeah, so now that I've shared that fun story, can you tell us what some of your... Let's start with what were some of your deal breakers that were just like, I'm, I can't carry on if this is the... Oh, you're talking about uh, deal makers and she's just pointing at me, wanting me to answer. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think identity in Christ was a huge thing because I'd been single for, for quite a while. I, I went through a lot of, I would say, interviewing. So it was a long, long period. But when I say that, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad. I'm 34 years of age now. We got married six months ago. But I think the type of person I was and what I was looking perhaps when I was 21, 22, 23, and a lot younger, the value set that I was looking at was totally different. And I just knew that God had a, a bigger picture for me and perhaps I needed to, to, to hold out and wait. So there was a few girlfriends a, along the way, but... Towards the end, it was probably about five, six, seven, eight years of being single and waiting. But a lot of girls in that time um, that I saw, nobody that I'd ever committed to, nobody that I wanted to, I think after a, a couple of months or a little season with someone, you kind of know whether things are going to work out or not. And uh, I just knew it wasn't, wasn't for me. Um, and, then, and, then, and then it got towards the end where being single for so long, I, I started to question, like, am I ever going to meet anybody? Um, or do I just need to, like, all my mates are getting married, they're already going on to children, like, do I just need to, must I just settle, like, and uh, that wasn't the case, I, 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 I just, I said I'd rather be single than settle because I've just seen too many mates go through too much of a mess, so I, I was going to hold it out, and, and, and I started pushing more into God, um, knowing that He would be faithful, but just not knowing when, so it was a long season, and um, in terms of places that I was hanging out and pursuing God, I was watching a lot of Andy Stanley type um, DVDs and videos, and it was a kind of like where your heart is set and where you spend your time, God will in time draw someone alongside you. So if I was hanging out in the gym, well, I'd probably meet someone in the gym. If I hang out in a pub or in a club, I'd probably meet someone in the pub or club. So I started pushing more into God first and got really involved. And I think Talking about some of the deal makers, I've spoken quite a bit and come around in a long circle, but deal, deal breakers for me was there were a lot of girls that would be a case of be interested, but they'd just come out of a relationship, and I knew they couldn't stand on their own two feet, and their relationship with God was as strong as mine was. So if I was going to church, they'd go, but if I wasn't there, they wouldn't be going. So for me, what was key in seeing Sean, um, first of all, I met her through 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 church, but she was someone that came to church on her own evening service at the time was living in the south of Joburg, so I knew there was a bit of commitment on that side, that she wasn't looking for a man um, to, to be by her side, that, you know, she was willing to, to pursue God on her own, and her relationship was not as strong as it was in somebody else, so her, her identity wasn't in the man she was in or, or, or she was with, it was yeah. her relationship. So for me, that was, those were the deal breakers, is saying I, I valued someone that knew their identity in Christ, and Christ was first, and that's what I was looking for. Awesome. Awesome. Come on, that's a great answer. Well done. Okay, I'm going to move on to the next question, and um, I'm going to ask my beautiful fiancé to answer this one, um, because she was... Uh, um, 
Well, basically, let me just ask you this. What are all the amazing things about me? Can you just... No, I'm just... <laughs> kidding. That's not what, it's, that's not what I was going to ask. Um, so the question is, um, because she uh, was also on a journey of, of trusting in, in, in Jesus and, and remaining single for a number of years, um, but um, I want to ask the question, how, do you stay con- how did you stay content... And how do you stay content while you're single and you're desiring, but you do desire to marry, but you're in a season of, of singleness? So I was single for, very single, for four and a half years before There's ages. levels of singleness. So. <laughs> so, so no dating, no nothing. I watched my little sister get married before me, so I really struggled with contentment. Um, but mostly I struggled with the idea of contentment. So I remember reading things like... Um, only when you are content in Christ alone will God give you the desires of your heart, which I took to believe that only when you no longer desire a relationship will God give you a relationship, or um, only when you get to the point that you are happy to live like Paul for the rest of your life will God make you not live like Paul for the rest of your life. Um, so I felt guilty for having a desire for marriage and for a relationship and uh, I felt like it wasn't pleasing to God to have that desire, and I, I wanted to try and get rid of it, almost. Or how do I get rid of this so that I can get to a point where he will give me a relationship? Um, to the point where I was trying to convince myself and God of how content I was, you know, sitting alone in my flat on a Friday night and being like, I, I just feel so content right now with my life, um, which I didn't believe and God definitely didn't buy. So, um, but as I grew in my walk with God, he taught me that he placed that desire in my heart. It comes from him. So it does, he doesn't want it to go away. Um, it's just how I respond to it and, and what I do with it that matters. I can't, you can't let the desire for a relationship control your life um, or your decisions that you're making or your emotions. Um, so, yeah, that's something that I had to, to learn. So uh, my, my nights that I spent trying to convince myself and God of my contentment turned, in, turned into nights on my knees, um, crying out to God about how discontent I was. Um, and it was in those moments that I felt his love and his presence so strongly that I actually ended up feeling the most content that I had ever felt. Um, and that's when I shifted my focus to... Not, not on the, the idea of contentment and how do I get myself to a place of contentment, um, but rather to listen to his voice that was saying, do you trust me? And do you trust me to bring you the person that I have for you in my time? And I did, and it worked. <laughs> Hello, somebody. <laughs> Come on, that was awesome. I think that's a tough thing to balance, is that I'm content, but I desire at the same time. And I think it's so true that sometimes us seeking contentment is not genuine contentment. It's just trying to kind of strong-arm God into saying, I'm ready, I'm ready, you know, when God's timing is perfect. And so it's like that with a lot of what we face in life is that we are expected to have peace and joy and, and trust in difficulties. It doesn't mean the situation changes and that it's not painful. But ultimately, over and above what we feel, we trust and we rest in, in Jesus. And, um, and so that's, that's really, really awesome. And... Um, I wanted to ask um, Sean to just also, yeah, please go ahead. It was so exciting to hear Lee talking there. Um, and I just want to put this with the contentment side there, that I find when I'm talking to young couples or single folk who are looking to 
to want to get into relationships. Um, and I just want to tell a quick funny story that the one young lady that I was talking to, I said to her, what you need to do is God has ordained a person for you and made someone specially for you. That right person is out there. But what you need to do is be clear in your own mind the sort of things that you want. Because if you don't know where you're going, no rat will do. So I said to her, just set out a list. And when we meet next week, tell me where it's at and we can sort of take it from there. Um, and so when we met the following week, um, she had one of these A4 files. It was about 30 pages long of, <laughs> of what she was wanting from. And I said, no, 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 this is it. That's not being content. The content is to say, Father, what do you have for me? What do I need that you're going to supply through the perfect partner? And that's where the contentment comes, that as soon as we stop trying to find the ideal partner that makes us content, it's what God has given us, and that contentment will come. Absolutely. And that Amen. ties into what Will's dad said to him. Which, and Will's dad's also a pastor up in Zim and really um, kind of ministers to me via Will, you know. Um, they have conversations about me, and then Will tells me what his dad said. But just that, you know, stop looking for the perfect person because they don't exist. Look for the person that you connect with. And I always say that people are different. So, for example, Lee and I, we're very different in personality um, in terms of our temperaments, etc. But but your values and your interests and your direction in life, the more similarities you have there, it's like money in the bank. Um, that's where friendship and connection and all those things come alive. And so you just need some of those points that you connect on. You don't need a person that's perfect in your eyes or what you would assume is perfect because your vision of perfect is imperfect. So what you think is perfect isn't God's definition of perfect in any case. But, uh, but Sean, maybe you can tell us what you did um, while you were single, um, waiting for the right guy, you know, as, as um, Aaron said, that you were just pursuing him, um, but how did you stay content in that season? It was also difficult to stay content because I was part of a friend's group who were all getting married, so I was literally the only one left who was not married. So for me, it was a frustration. It was like, is something wrong? Am I not going to find somebody? Um, but exactly like Lee, you have to push into the space and the journey with the Lord, and that's why, for me, I was going on my own to church, and I was in a space and a journey with the Lord and, and waiting and trusting. Yeah. And I think that's what was important to me. And the guy I married sat next to me in church. So, yeah, for me it was a... <laughs> yeah, I don't think that was by accident. I don't think that was the Lord. I think that was, that was Aaron. <laughs> Not yeah, I, so but the it Lord. It was just sort of a space of getting over wanting to have what everybody else had. At, yeah. at that time, knowing that that wasn't the time for me, it wasn't the right time for me, and trusting that the, the Lord had already paved my way, and yeah. the right time would come at His time and not, not my own. Yeah. So just pushing into that. This is one thing I think is very important, because I've also, as a pastor in my journey, and, and I've seen so many others in their journey, we all pace ourselves according to the people we're running alongside. So we look at what they're, maybe can you just lift that a little bit, there we go, sorry. These mics are a little bit sensitive, but um, you know, we pace ourselves according to the people beside us, and we go, well, if they're all getting married, I need to get married. And you actually rush in your, your personal season because every journey is unique. And one thing that I've learned is that, you know, my journey has been so, so unique as a pastor and, and uh, you know, the people now, and it actually helps me when I speak to people realizing that every journey looks different. And allowing your journey to unfold in God's timing and God's way is the best thing that you can do for you and for your future relationships. Rushing it just to kind of, you know, compare yourself to others and match with others um, is what lands us in trouble. Um, I'm going to ask a question 
um, and, uh, and, and just have one or two answer on this before I get to, I just want to talk a little bit more to the guys that are currently married, but, um, but what does accountability look like for you in this season? Um, as, uh, you know, who are you accountable to? Who are you, who are you kind of trusting with what's happening in your heart and your life? And, um, and maybe we can start with Brent and ask, what does accountability look like to you? Well, I'm single, so I don't know how that relates. Well, who are you accountable to as a single guy um, for where you're, you're, you know, how you're co- conducting your single life? I mean, we're on a journey together, yeah. and so you have me, you have your dad, a couple of people that you trust yeah. to talk through what Look, those Obviously, emotions. my parents, my dad's never given me that great advice he gave now, unfortunately. <laughs> my dad. Um, if he did that, I might be married by now. But, but, yeah, I think obviously my accountability would be obviously to the you guys, and, and it's been great, obviously, um, <laughs> learning a lot from you guys and meeting with you specifically. And I think a lot of that is... A lot of what you've mentioned, a lot of what I've learned from you, and yeah. that is, is um, finding things in common with people. I know that okay. doesn't necessarily answer that question, no, but that's does. something that, I, that I've really gotten out of that accountability and chatting to you about relationships and about being single and things like that. And I think also um, having good friends around you, even when you're single, you know, it doesn't mean because you're single you have to do life alone. So yeah. I think having people that are close friends, even if they are married couples, that is... They do hold, hold you accountable from that point of view. Yeah. Um, and also, I think sometimes being single, you can slip up in many ways yeah. because you are single. Um, whereas if you had a partner, there would be that support that could maybe yeah. lead you away from those things. So I think a good friendship base and, and people that are leaders in your life and allowing people to speak into your life is a good place to start for That's accountability. Awesome. Very good. Let's hear from Comey. Before she does, one of the reasons Brent needs um, accountability is because uh, last year during the Daniel's fast, we played a round of golf and we got so hungry. We were eating bananas and we were eating like, I think we ate like a whole bunch of bananas, three packets of man- you know, dried mango, like the whole thing. And then he later confessed that he went home and ate like five bar ones. He was just so hungry. So like his commitment to the Lord was nowhere and definitely needs accountability. They were the little ones. So the, okay. Accountability, okay. Comedy. Um just to add to what Brent said, um, I think on the journey of singleness, it's easy. if you don't have anyone accountable, it's easy to let your heart slip into uh, areas that you know, God's not leading it. Yeah. So um, without Will's knowledge, I, you are my accountability, um, you and Angie are my accountability spiritual leaders, as well as Dean and Liz, who run my connect group. Yeah. And so um, my singleness is sort of, I sort of uh, ask for guidance from them. Very good. Um, and just to help speak into any relationship or friendship that I have. Yeah. And then I also have um, a group of girls, which were part of my connect group, um, that are proper girlfriends that will tune you and yeah. <laughs> hold you accountable to your actions. That's so good. It's, yeah, good. It's, it's worked. Okay, I want to ask Michelle um, a question, because Michelle has obviously been through divorce and has raised kids... Um, you know, as a single mom for, for a lot of that. <clears throat> and um, so I wanted to find out from you um, what you did to keep your heart aligned and to keep yourself focused on what God was calling you to through that season. Because, um, you know, there's, there's longings. But just tell us a little bit about, you know, having to be, um, you know, a mom on your own and going through that process. I think for me, the, you realize that the Lord becomes your husband. Um, and when you go through those seasons, 
you know that God provides because that's what the word says, but when you go through divorce, you, it's a, it, what you know in your head becomes real in your heart because you have to. Um, so God becomes your comfort. He becomes your husband. He becomes your provider. He becomes your healer. And when there's nowhere to turn, that's when you're on your knees and you turn to him. And I think raising, you know, any of, of people raising kids on your own, you spend a lot more time talking to God because that's who's listening. When there's nobody else listening, that's the one who's listening to you. So I think anybody who's been through that place of brokenness and that place of, of heartache really turns to God in, in a very much deeper way than you would if you could rely on another human being. What would your advice be to somebody that's perhaps been through something like that? Maybe, maybe it might not be divorce specifically, but they've been through hurt um, in a relationship and that might be struggling to forgive or struggling to let go. Like, what did you do to help yourself forgive and to, and to move forward? You know, they say that, that time heals those wounds, but it doesn't. Only God heals those wounds. You, you've got to get to a place where you allow God to open those places and expose those wounds to healing because otherwise they fester. Um, so you need a person that you can confide in and that you can talk to and that you can be real with. Somebody who can go through those places with you and pray through those places with you. But it, they don't heal themselves. You've actually got to work with them, and it doesn't help to stuff them down and pretend those hurts don't exist. They do, and they're real, and they sore. And if you ignore them, they come up in future relationships or friendships. Um, another good thing is, is a good friendship circle. You actually need good. people. You, you need things to look forward to. You need people around you to help you when you... Because depression is a, is a big thing with people who've been through divorce and, and yeah. broken relationships. It's very easy to slip into that place of thinking, nobody cares, nobody sees me, nobody knows I exist. But the reality is God cares, God sees you, God knows you exist, and your mess becomes your message and your test becomes your testimony. And those very places of brokenness are the places that God can use to others that are hurting and broken. But you so need good. people... So good. Come on, let's give it a round of applause. That's amazing. Um, I'm going to um, skip a question over to um, Aubrey and Heather, married all of two weeks. Um, I know that they've got a wealth of, of, uh, of knowledge around marriage um, and, and experience. So I wanted to ask you, um, how do things, how do relationships change? Heather's like, give me that microphone. Give it, give it to me. Give it to me. Our relationship has, has not taken a conventional path, okay? We've, we've been together for almost eight years. We only got married two, two, two weeks ago. And um, we always want, always thought, we're fine, we, we're almost married, we're like a married couple, we're, we're okay. And I think um, Wills will tell you how many times he hinted that it wasn't godly. That, that we, 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 had to, we had to get married. I heard you, you heard me. <laughs> we had to get married. We were trying to have a child. We were trying to live this life as a married couple when we were not married. So in the two weeks, how has it changed? <laughs> Come on, tell us. <laughs> After eight years, is you live a life without the guilt of knowing you're not doing the right thing 
in God's eyes. Yeah. You always put that guilt away in, when you're together, where you're like, well, we're, we're fine. I mean, our family knows we're together. Our church knows we're together. We're almost married. You're only sanctified through Christ and through marriage. And there is actually a burden that you have in your heart that you don't think you have yeah. until you let go of that. And in the two weeks for me, that has been. That's amazing. That's amazing. Come on. So good. Okay, I'm going to ask Eddie a question real quick because um, uh, Eddie is, uh, it's his second marriage to Cantha. Cantha's not here this morning, um, but Cantha, it was also her second marriage. Um, and uh, um, I know that Eddie was in Ireland and he came over to South Africa and he met Cantha. But tell me what it's like being in a second marriage. For you, how was it different and how did it feel? Uh, was, it, was, was it strange or was there, you know, just tell us a little bit about being married again. Well, I didn't want to get married ever again after the divorce in the UK. Um, so I was actually here on holiday. I met Cantha over the table at Nelson Mandela Square and within two weeks we're engaged. So I've never met this person. I was far away from God. I was a Hindu before and I converted at the age of 15 to know Christ. But in the UK, everybody is very much into me, me and me, forget everybody else. So I was way away from God. Then after getting engaged during those two weeks, I went back to the UK and started to wind up things resign, etc., etc. I, I have three boys there. And it was a big thing for me. But again, Christ was way away from me. Um, then I realized, oh, I'm coming into a Christian family. Cantor um, has grown up to be a Christian. And that was like, then the penny dropped. It was like God saying, I want you back. You are the lost sheep I've been hunting for. I want you back. And it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. That's amazing. And also, just respecting the other person. And the one thing that Cantor's uh, done for me is shown me Christ in, in a real way, which is awesome. respecting her, respecting people around me, and seeing Christ in them first. Would you treat Christ the way you're treating them now? And that's really, when you take that minute or seconds back and sit back from that, you stop being cruel. You start respecting that person. And you see Christ every time you see a person. And when you do that, it's an absolutely amazing journey. That's awesome. That's awesome. So inspiring. And how has it been? You guys have been married 12 years now? 12 years. And um, how has it been now? How does it feel now, um, having been married for 12 years? I mean, two weeks, I mean, I think we can all agree there was a little bit of a risk that you took there, um, getting engaged, but obviously God had a plan. And tell us, how, you know, just how you feel now, having been married for 12 years. It's a learning curve every day. Um, you've, you know, I have kids in the UK, Kanta has kids here, mother, etc., so every day isn't rosy at all. But also, just in Christ in her, makes you think again about how you treat people around you. And that, for me, is, is the amazing change. And I say to everybody, I'm in this space at 62 soon, 
that if I die today, I'm at so much peace that, um, that, that it's an amazing place to be. Yeah. Absolutely happy, absolutely content with everything. And having an influence on other people, our hearts, both Cantor and I, our hearts are very much about making a difference to people around us. Yeah, that's so awesome. Um, Eddie and Cantor are just two of the most generous people um, that you'll ever meet. And uh, I know uh, recently they had a really global organization come to their company and say, we'll give you this deal if you get rid of these staff and employ people like this. And he told them to pack up their books and, and go, saying, literally saying no to you know, millions and millions of rands because he said, you don't understand these people, where they come from, what they fought through in life, where they, you know, and uh, we're going to employ them even if they're not the best workers, even if they don't do the best, because we're here to be a blessing in their lives. We're helping them, their families, their family to us. We're not letting anybody go. And that's the kind of people that they are. And I just wanted to honor him as well because they're amazing people in our church. Come on, let's give him, Eddie a big round of applause. I want to I go over to Peter. Um, Peter also has, we're almost done this morning. Um, I hope that you're getting something out of this. Um, but, but Peter also has a wealth of experience um, working in the area of psychology and having um, just been able to counsel many people through the years. And, uh, and he is um, a part of our pastoral team that's going to help us taking our, our counseling and, and pastoral ministry forward. But, um, but Peter, in, in, in all the years that you've been married, 35 or so years, um, if you could go back, what would you do differently? What would be the thing that you would change if you had another, another uh, chance at it? Yeah, I think that, uh, and probably my answer will be from the experience that I've gained in working with folk on it there, but so often, if I could answer it this way, that what we do is, when you get to a stage where people say, well, our marriage doesn't work, we, I always say to them, what was it like in the beginning? And if I went back to that there, they always say, oh, but we couldn't get enough of each other. We could talk all night. We just, it was never, I was too tired to meet and so on. And so if I went back and I say to people, then what changed? And what has changed then? And what I'd move back to now and say right at the beginning, the key to it all is, is keep the communication going. That's, I would change that because I think I stopped doing that. And that, and it's amazing how it changes your relationship when you keep that communication going. And by that I would say that in the past, when I asked Sharon, my wife, for her opinion, um, I already had my answer, so I was just making her think that I wanted to hear. <laughs> but um, I would say that now, what I would change, and, when I'm and that's why I said I'm in a period of growth. You never change in a, in a relationship. But in a period of, of change now, I would say, when you ask the question, don't have an answer in mind. Listen to what the other person is saying. And then specifically wait before you give an answer. So that's yeah. the biggest change I would make, is okay. that start to listen or go back to, and I would say, right from the beginning, I should have been listening a bit more. All right. And then one more question, which is around having kids, um, because you have had... Obviously, Brent and, and, and his brother, and I don't know if there's any other kids I, I don't know about, but, uh, um, but, uh, <laughs> but no, there aren't. There's just, it's just two, hey? Two siblings. But how do, because I know that a lot of couples say their marriage is fine up until the point that they have kids, and then the pressure of kids and how busy it gets and how crazy life gets, especially in those early years, 
actually, uh, most you know divorces happen in that period where they really lose touch with each other. So, uh, you know, how did you guys manage your relationship through those difficult years of of having kids? With difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> no, and again, back to and, and you've hit it on the head. So over this past sacred series you've been doing there, if you think about how often you've related to the time that you are spending with your kids, okay? And so as you invest that time in, if you can as a couple invest your, that time into the kids, um, but the shock comes when they get to, all of a sudden they've left school and they're starting to, to go out in the big wide world, you sort of think, okay, now what? All of a sudden, so you've invested in kids and all of a sudden... You, your dynamic with your family moves away. And so I would say that um, the key to it was that, um, you know what, when you first get married, as these two newlyweds here, the two weeks or these six months or whatever it is, um, your partner's the most important. But when the kids come along, all of a sudden as a dad, you find that you've moved down one in the ranks um, and, and vice versa. And, and so the key to it is, is there as a, married, as a newly married couple and as you start with the youngsters, to, to grow together in, as you can and grow together. But the kids, and this is going to sound crazy, but go with me on it, is that, that the kids see you as, as one. Okay, so um, if the kids, and, and Brent will attest to this, that if I said no and they went and asked mom, they knew there was trouble because they saw us as, as one. And I would say that that's the key thing to look for in your marriage, that to work through that the children see you as one. You can argue about it afterwards in private, praise in public. Really, really good. Um, one, yeah, Ryan wants to say something. Um, with, the, with the kids thing, um, we used to went through that moment where the kids arrived, we were going out dating, having fun. It was always just the two of us. And then daughter arrived, and then you do feel like you go down as a man, you, like I'm in second place. And it's uh, hard to understand and to figure out, because you're newly married, married, you're young. And what, what we felt worked for us is that we outdated my best friend. She dated her best friend. We used to do everything together, so we knew it, kind of. We kind of knew the character and personality, and it was that ability to understand that we need to sit down and have a conversation, honest one. And yeah. literally, and it's communication again. Let's go, this is how I'm feeling. This is how you feeling. Um, I need to understand what you're going through. I understand what I'm going through. And we need to not like, kind of almost meet in the middle. Like We need to make sure that we make time for each other as much as we make time for our kids. Yeah. So it's a, it's a real thing. I mean, my, my brother's going through it. Our friends have gone through it. They all go through it. And it's a real phase. It's a real struggle. Um, but you almost as a man need to accept that there's big differences in life. Um, but, and as, as a, a wife at the same time and a mother, there's... There's also a man and there's a husband. So yeah. it's, a, it's a big thing in, in relationships. And it's also when kids are out, they do create this little wedge. But it's yeah. about the communication, being open and honest with each other. That's awesome. I want to hear from, from Kelly and, uh, and Reno just as we finish. Um, but what advice would you give um, to somebody young wanting to get married in how they approach the journey and, uh, and take on um, you know, those first few years of, of marriage? Um, I think a lot has been said already, but um, to sum it up, I think the first thing for me is um, having Jesus as center in your marriage, in your relationships, in, in your household, um, making decisions 
making sure that Jesus is in the middle of those decisions because um, a decision can either make or break your, your marriage or, or your family. So making sure Jesus is in the middle of that. And um, to get more practical, I think, like Ryan said, communication is so, so important. Um, and I think that putting pretenses aside um, and just being who you are, that would tell your partner, this is really who I am, and, and vice versa, and is this really what you want in your life? And not pretending to be something you think he wants you to be. Um, and it starts with that. It starts with being totally honest and open with who you are. Um, and I think that's important. And then having the same goals and the same visions and the same journey, because um, you've got to be a team. So if he's got, he wants to live in Durban and I want to live in Cape Town, that's already something that we've got to consider. Where do we, want, where do we see ourselves? Where do we see our, um, having our family together? Where do we see us getting old together? Those types of things, you might think it's not important right now, but um, it does cause friction in your marriage. How many kids do you want? Do you want kids? Don't I want kids? Um, those are important practical things that you've got to ask each other and know in your heart that this is the same things that we want yeah. in life. So being on the same, having the same vision and the same goals, um, I think that's very important. And then once you're getting married, um, just know that it's not going to be easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, All the married people said amen. It's really not easy. You're two totally different people. As much as you have the same vision and same goals, you're still individuals and you still have your own desires and you still want to do your own thing and you still want to have time for yourself. And, and you've got to respect each other in that way as well. Um, yeah. you, can't, you can't expect your partner to be something and have unrealistic expectations of your partner. So um, you've got to understand that as well. And then when the kids come, it gets even more exciting. So... <laughs> <laughs> So it's really, really about communication and honest communication and how you communicate honestly. Yeah. Um, I'm a very soft and gentle person, right? Always. Okay, no, I'm lying, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when communicating with Ryan, who is quite an emotional person in comparison to me, it's true, um, I've, got to, I've got to sit back and think, how am I going to say this to him that yeah. still um, builds him up as my husband and still builds him up as, as, as the father of my kids yeah. um, and not put him down? Because I would never put him down um, in front of anyone because I know that he's, he's the most important man in my life. Awesome. So, um, so it's how you communicate to him and how you communicate about your partner is very yeah. important. Yeah. And um, sometimes he communicates a little bit too honest. So can I just give you a, sh a small little example? Jesus. So yesterday... <laughs> yesterday... This is just... Too soon, too soon. This is just how, um, how difficult communication can be in a marriage. So yesterday, we, he's brushing his teeth and I'm putting makeup on. And I say to him, oh, I wish I was gorgeous enough just to get up and not have to put makeup on and just get up and go. His response is, yeah. That's the Ryan we know and love. <laughs> so, I look, so I look at him, I'm like, what? So he says, babe, if I agree with you, you're upset. If I don't agree with you, you say, you're, you're lying. And if I don't say anything, you look at me and you're like, you must say something. So, 
So honestly, communication is very, very difficult because you never know if you're doing it right. But um, yeah, so anyways, that's just something that I thought. But, but, but I, um, <laughs> I love that idea of, of uh, being as honest as possible because you, um, you, don't, you don't realize how um, in a relationship, how quickly dishonesty becomes a culture yeah. and how quickly just bending the truth around little things um, you know, just becomes so, so easy, you know, in a relationship. And it starts with bending the truth about little things, um, you know, and then it, it grows to, you know, where did that extra thousand rand that we had go? Or, you know, where were you last night? Or, you know, it actually gets into the, the bigger things. And, and so it's important to develop a culture of honesty. Uh, finally, we'll hear Save the Best for Last. Rena, you could just tell us, um, you know, just your, if you could encourage um, uh, you know, a young person looking to get married and how they just pursue that right now in their, in their lives, what, what would you say? I think that you first find yourself in Christ and know that you are enough, um, put Him first. I actually agree with everybody that once you have that relationship set, God will open the door for the right person to find you and vice versa. Um, and in Brett mentioned it, um, have friends around you that are in Christ. Um, we've got many friends that's not in Christ, and we've got friends that are in Christ. And once you start leaning towards friends without Christ, you start focusing, and your relationship and the person you'll find will be in that direction. So stay in the community of Christ, and God will open that door, and He will honor you for seeking Him first, and putting the kingdom first, and walking that road with that individual. Um, with Megs, she was saved first from a young age, and I wasn't. And if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be sitting here today. Um, our marriage wouldn't have been here today because she kept on praying and asking God to intervene. And if you, as a man, are not at that point, and your wife is, ladies, pray for that man. God will come through. He is faithful. He will break whatever is on there or on them, and the man that you will have afterwards is greater than anything else. So good. That is so good. It's, uh, as you said, that, you know, there's the vertical beam, your relationship with Jesus, and it enables us to have that, that horizontal uh, relationships in a healthy way. I'm going to ask you guys to help me right now. Just put your hands out to everybody here, and uh, we're just going to pray over you. We're just going to pray over your relationships and uh, your season of life, whatever it is, I want you to let, to let you know that your season of life matters to us, whether you're single for a long time, whether you're dating, whether you're engaged, whether you're married, whether you're divorced, whether you have kids or you don't have kids, you're a, a, a widow or a widower, wherever you are at, you are welcome here in this family. We love you and we care about your journey and we want to pray for you that God takes you to that next step and into a greater sense of His purpose for your life.